Hi, we're glad you're here, and we're about to begin. KenCast After Dark. Stimulating conversations all night long. And here's your host, Ken Cole. Hello, everyone, and I hope you're having a wonderful evening tonight. Thanks for joining us for KenCast After Dark. Today, we have a very interesting discussion. As you know, we do a lot of movie, TV show discussions, entertainment, pop culture. However, with the strikes going on right now, we're going to take this opportunity to talk about some other things, some other interests we might have. And because of the news lately, we have congressional testimony that UFOs and aliens are uh, might exist and might be here, uh, we thought we'd take some time to think about this because as we love movies and we love science fiction and all these things, could this be real? And for this discussion, we're pleased to have you. And I've also invited another very special guest to help us sort all this information out. You've seen him before. He's the co-host of the Last Row podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Drew Rohalley. Drew, <laughs> it's great to see you. I'm happy to to be here again, uh, as always on the KenCast. What an honor, especially for tonight's topic. I'm I'm really excited. It's it's really after dark today. <laughs> it is very after dark. It's it's the perfect after dark conversation, I think, uh, as we look up at the night sky and wonder what's out there. So, uh, if if those of you who are listening or watching right now, if you feel the the urge to go, just look out that window and look at the nighttime sky and wonder what's out there. You know, we're right there with you. <laughs> Uh, so, so Drew, you know, I want to talk about your podcast, let everyone know you, you do a movie themed podcast called the last row podcast. And so tell us a little bit about that. Uh, and before we launch into this alien discussion. Sure. Yeah. I co-host a bi-weekly podcast. We put a new episode out every other Thursday. In fact, we just put out our most recent episode on speed to cruise control. I <laughs> like to say that it was a good movie, but I would be lying if I said so, but you know, hey, there's a critique there. But uh, we have a lot of fun with the with the world of the movies, and we're in the middle of our summer of sequels, so we're doing all sequels to a bunch of movies that we've done. We have uh, a couple more coming up: Child's Play two and RoboCop two over the next couple couple uh, weeks here. Oh. But yeah, thanks thanks for letting me many plug that. Check us out thelastrowpodcast.com or subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen, and, and let us know what you think. It's a great podcast. Everyone go check out the Last Row Podcast. And if you're so inspired, leave them a five-star review because Please. they deserve it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. So Drew, before we get going today, I want to say hello to everyone in the live chat. If you're watching now on YouTube or Facebook, you can go ahead and comment or post in the live chat and we see your comments. We'll try to work in your comments into the com conversation here. Santino asks, Terry Silver versus Aliens, <laughs> who wins? I got to go with Terry's brains. <laughs> oh, that, you know, Drew, this idea and the, and the fact that you brought that up and Santino brought this up, my goodness, I feel like this needs to happen. We yeah. need to see this. I need the we crossover. Need <laughs> we, we absolutely do. So guys, tonight we're going to be talking about something different. We're going to be talking about aliens and UFOs, uh, things that typically have you know, been in the realm of science fiction and speculation about what our place in the universe is. But Drew, I don't know if you've heard this, but we have congressional testimony now under oath from highly trained, very reputable pilots and officers in intelligence officers that 
not only do UFOs exist, but that the government possesses them, and uh, we might actually even have alien bodies. What, what, what do you think? How, how does that hit you? I'll say that you know it's finally becoming more, I don't want to say mainstream, but I, I guess now is where you're hearing more about it these days. And I think in the past, you'd always hear, oh, that's crazy, or that's, that's nuts. What do you mean? And you would almost see people like demonized for talking about it. And, you know, there's always been movies and TV shows and all kinds of stuff. And a lot of times they made him sort of cartoonish or, or silly. And I think now, you know, with some of the news that's coming out, you're starting to really see well-respected people have testimony. I mean, and we'll talk more about the the three folks that, that testified. It doesn't get more stellar than their records. And, and you start to think about it. It's like, whoa, these guys are decorated veterans. And it's not just some random guy. Like, I know I'm not supposed to talk about movies, but, you know, like Randy Quaid and Independence Day, that kind of right. thing, right? right. Uh, it's it's one of those kind of things where in the past, that's that's what you would see. Or you'd get the ancient aliens guy and people would joke about it. But, you know, I, hey, man, it's starting to become a little bit more mainstream to talk about it. I'm happy to talk about it here with you. It's it's really exciting. That's, that's fantastic, Drew. And I want to thank you for joining us today. And, okay, so everyone watching, you might be ill alien UFO fans or enthusiasts, you might not be. Uh, I, Drew, I thought it might be a good idea to give people a, an idea of our backgrounds and sure. why, you know, we might be, offer a unique perspective on this. And um, and I'll, I'll let you go first because I, I don't want to embarrass you, Drew, but the, I'm inter I was interested to bring you into this discussion because you're very intelligent. You <laughs> are non-judgmental. Non you have an open mind. And uh, you also have a very strong analytical background, and uh, you've worked a lot in big organizations and are aware of bureaucracy and politics. Yes. So, um, so I, with that tee up, uh, tell us about what you bring to the topic and your own unique perspective on this. I think you know, growing up, it's always a topic that interests me. Watching movies, TV shows, documentaries, all that kind of stuff, and you know, in a lot of ways almost like this weird, in, in so many words, like a fear of it in, in a lot of ways growing up as a kid, you know, you see some of the movies where they portray these things or these beings as like a, you know, no big deal. Then some of them where they're truly evil. So I, you know, grew up with an imagination like that. And, you know, you, sometimes that freaks you out when you're a kid, you get some nightmares when you're sleeping, but you know, the older that I've gotten, the more open-minded I think I've become to a lot of things as well. You, you start to gain more life experiences. Like you said, I, I work in technology. So for me, like this type of stuff is very fascinating for me. Um, that's my day job. So I have to analyze things. And, and for me, it's, it's kind of a, it's an interesting topic to look at. And like I said, the older that you get, the more you start to think about, well, why is this news coming out now? What could it mean? Why didn't it come out earlier or did it and we just weren't paying attention? Is it real? Is there a reason for it to maybe be like people talk about psyops all the time? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I but I'm like trying to approach this stuff with a very open mind, as you said, to see what it could be. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I I love all those points you brought up. And I agree with you. When I was young, uh, there were shows on television, uh, one in particular called Sightings, oh. that sort of talked about different paranormal things. Uh, but they had alien stuff, like they had, you know, supposed 
videos of aliens and stories of uh, aliens and abductions and that kind of thing. And that freaked me out. Like, I agree with you. Like, that totally freaked me out. And um, I kind of fell off that. I, I really didn't buy into any of it, you know, for, for most of my life. But then around 2015, uh, I got back into it and I started looking at the work, uh, particularly of uh, Stan Friedman. Uh, who rest in peace uh, is was a big. Uh, he was a nuclear scientist who was a nuclear physicist who was into this and made it his life's work to study these these phenomena from a nuts and bolts standpoint. And so, uh, and I had the opportunity to to talk with him on a couple of occasions, um, and it was uh, really interesting because I. When I graduated high school, I went to college. I got a degree in meteorology, which uh, is atmospheric science, atmospheric physics. And so I'm very much into like science, science-y type things. And so I focused on the Earth's atmosphere. And then um, I got my master's degree in mass communications and concentrated on filmmaking. So then I, I became a filmmaker and did documentaries and that type of thing. And then so I don't know. It's, it's interesting to coming back to this because you have that there's a scientific thing. Is there some kind of phenomenon happening in our atmosphere or beyond? Um, and then on top of that, you have the mass communication aspect. Um, videos, you know, are used as evidence. You have, uh, you know, all of these messages are being disseminated through mass media, uh, which is changing in recent years. You know, you have podcasts, you have what we're doing right now, Drew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're just talking about all this stuff. And so, uh, so yeah, I'm, so Drew, I want to be honest with you and everyone here. If I'm coming to this issue, I, I am looking, I, I enjoy speculating and looking at all the different possibilities. I think at the end of the day, I am looking at it from a scientific standpoint, or I'm trying to look at it from a, from a scientific standpoint. Um, and trying to sort through the noise. And I personally, I don't need there to be aliens. Uh, but then again, I am very open to aliens. Sure. I have no problem. Like if if you, Drew, if you tell me that there are aliens here on Earth right now uh, and you ask me, is that possible? I'm, I'd say, sure. I don't, I don't know why it wouldn't be. Yeah, the universe is so big right now, right? Um, I think at some point you, you just have to show me some proof. And that's... Uh, I think why we're here. And so do you have like a certain perspective on uh, a belief, shall we say, on whether they're here or not? My Mine is, is similar to yours, right? Like I'm not sure that they are, but I'm not sure that they aren't. And and I think until, and, and I guess there's a way you could, you could approach it with like what they might say is healthy skepticism, right? You can approach anything with a, well, show me that there is. I think I've seen like Neil deGrasse Tyson and other, you know, astrophysicists and, and you know, astronomers and all these other folks kind of approach it was like, well, there's no way. But I just feel like there's a lot of things that would make me think, well, why not? And I, I'm like you, right? I don't need there to be them. But if there were, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> like mm -hmm. you, you said it, the universe is so massive to think that, and, and we can't even comprehend how big it is. Like I, I, I remember, I mean, I had a astronomy class in college and it's like one one elective right but just even some of the stuff you learn in there like just how huge the universe is there's videos on youtube that'll take you from i don't know a molecule all the way out to the edge of the universe and they zoom out and it's fascinating and to think about how huge it is and that there's nothing else i i don't see how there there couldn't be but i also don't see how there isn't like i don't know 
it's it's a really interesting thing to think about and i go back and forth on it quite a bit so and and one other thing i'll say too is we always expect and i think it's an interesting point we always expect life to be like what we think it is because it's our perspective and our you know it's how we relate to things it's human quality i guess but when you think about oh there's bacteria that eats cyanide and all kinds of poisonous materials well, what if there's other types of life out there that doesn't operate by the rules that we know of right now? What if we're just learning about new things? It's uh, it's a fascinating way to look at it. So, I think that's an amazing point, Drew. And I love how you brought up the idea of microbes because we didn't even realize that there were microbes until yep. relatively recently in human history. All of these living things were around us and we had no clue they were here. And so I think that's something to keep in mind as we move into the future and as we explore this, that even right now, what is out there, what's around us right now that we're not aware of, you know, but we might discover in the future. I don't know. Just, just throwing that out there. Um, I want to get, we have some really great comments. Uh, Terry Johnson says, of course there are other beings out there, but for them to get to earth, they would have to be very advanced or immortal, I guess. Um, and then Marianella says, I live near a city where there's a UFO museum. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Uh, where there are testimonials from Argentine pilots, among other things. That is absolutely fascinating, Marianella. And that is something, too, that, Drew, you and I could probably get into if we wanted to, or if you all want to at some point in the future, just how this is not something that's locally yeah. confined to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. It's happening well, everywhere. Yeah, one thing that I saw, and 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 it kind of touches into Marinella's point. Like, I saw a lot of stuff that that you know I look, you know, read Reddit and other posts where people start to talk about their experiences, and I think we're all guilty in the United States of having sometimes like a United States centric view of things. But when you start reading about this, it's like, hey, look, other countries have been openly talking about this stuff for a really long time, and for whatever reason in the U.S., there's like this stigma of, oh, you're all crazy. And I think it, it might stem from like advanced technology and people wanting to sort of shield that or whatever. But like I always, I mean, I remember growing up just watching TV shows about Roswell and stuff like that and the Area 51 type stuff, which is which is another, like the video game, if anyone remembers that video game, the rail shooter, Area 51. But <laughs> the whole concept of that was super fascinating. I don't remember what show I saw, but there was a bunch of different, episodes that talked about that groom lake and the secret flights there and that stuff just fascinates the heck out of you you know when you're you're trying to learn about these things and the wealth of information on the internet now has really made a lot of that more accessible you don't have to wait for like a cable television show to tell you about it so oh yeah it's it's an endless rabbit hole that you can jump into uh and i i've dipped my toe into that rabbit hole a number of times. But you're right. All of these stories inspire the imagination. Yeah. I mean, the idea of Area 51 and like all of these things. And that's another thing I've noticed. I've, I've been, what, the past eight years, I've, I've been kind of studying this, you know, for my own personal interests, also for, for projects I'm developing, that type of thing. But the one thing I think we need to remember is that humans, earthbound humans are excellent storytellers. And we create, we, we build worlds. Like Drew, we talk about movies all the time and uh, books, literature, uh, just 
people, especially very brilliant creative people, are very good at creating worlds, uh, places we want to live, things that inspire our imagination. And so as we sift through a lot of the stories out there, it's good to keep in mind that it is possible that people can create great inspiring things uh, that aren't necessarily real, mm-hmm. but they're, they're wonderful stories. Sure. Yeah. That makes it's sense. a really good point. Yeah. Uh, ben, it's great to see you, hey, Ben. ben. Uh, no mercy. Uh, good. To, thanks for joining us. Uh, Johnny Utah says, if there's life out there, they would have contacted us by now. That's interesting. What if they have? Yeah. Maybe we don't know it or, or right. maybe we can't hear it but i i think it's a good point though because people yes. do bring that up and it's a really good point like maybe they would have right it's uh there are so many questions about this uh michio kaku who is a string theory physicist um if you ask him this question he'll respond and say or would they have or are they sufficiently more advanced than we are that it's like us walking down a path and seeing a squirrel on the side of the path, do we feel like we have to go introduce ourselves to the squirrel? <laughs> you know? It's a good way to know. put it. Right. Uh, and Terry Johnson says, maybe they're smart and staying away from us. <laughs> that could be true. Yeah, too. maybe that's, that's a good point too. Uh, Clifford, thank you for being a channel member, Clifford. Hi, Ken and Drew. As a kid, I used Unsolved Mysteries to learn about possible alien spacecraft sightings, Area 51. Well, Drew, that's a huge, that's... that was a huge series. Uh, you know, that dealt with true crime and paranormal, but also they focused on these cases. Yes. I love that, Clifford. And that that might be the show I was thinking about when we were talking about Area 51. Man, just that that theme song is like in, ingrained in my my uh memory here. But but that yeah, and the way they presented it was sort of a creepy way. But Area 51, just as a concept, take extraterrestrials off and just maybe it's advanced technology or whatever. That whole concept of Area 51 and these like advanced research type places is so fascinating to me and like what could have been happening. And I remember a lot of the TV shows, it wasn't just Unsolved Mysteries, but there was so many cool ones that speculated on that. But again, it was on cable TV and, you know, is it, how much are they telling you? And I don't know, it, but it's it, it really does get your imagination going and it's such a cool thing to think about. So I, I that's awesome that you, you watched that as well. Yeah, that's that's a great show. And so for decades, we've had these stories, Drew, right? Like hints from government people and also these sightings by people and covered on shows like Unsolved Mysteries. And so I think we've kind of known culturally about UFOs for a long time. A lot of people laugh them off. Um, however, in 2017, there were some videos that were released that were um, leaked from the Pentagon of unidentified craft taken by military personnel. And then in 2020, they were officially declassified. Um, And you may have seen these videos, Drew, Um, but one of these incidents was the famous Tic Tac incident. And don't worry, everyone, we're going to go through all these things. Um, If you don't know what this is, this is kind of interesting stuff, I think. Um, And then also uh, there's like the gimbal video and the go fast video. And so that happened. And then just recently, like maybe less than a month ago, about a month ago, there was a congressional hearing where two of those pilots testified in front of Congress. And then a new person who is an intelligence officer 
who specifically came across documents, he says, and testifies under oath that the United States has recovered UAP. So that's unidentified aerial phenomena. That's the same as UFO. It's a new term for UFO. Um, so he says that we are in possession of these craft, that we have black projects, like basically super classified projects that sometimes even the president doesn't know about, where we're trying to reverse engineer the technology from these craft, and that supposedly he's seen documentation that we have bodies. Biologics, so, I think that word really stood out to me. When they said yeah. biologics, I'm like, what? <laughs> what is that? So so coming from your background, what what is how does that news hit you? I mean, it's when you talk about like bureaucracy, right? I think the first thing that I go to is we're and I think anyone with a logical brain will say, Okay, well, where's the proof? Show me that. And the really outside of the videos that you mentioned, right? The videos are 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 some sort of, sort of proof, but when they start talking about, I think, um, you know, you start thinking about David Grush. I think that's the person that you had you had mentioned, right? Yes. He, I don't think, and I could be wrong on this. You have to tell me, but I don't think he actually saw anything himself. He talked to all the people that saw everything and saw all the like paperwork and all of the other things. Now, I don't. I, I, mean, I could be wrong on that, right? But I think you're right. You know, so then you start to wonder and you start to think about, okay, it makes a lot of sense. Like this person has a pretty decorated background. What's their motivation to make this information up? And you could go to political angles. I'm going to kind of avoid that for this, the, yes. the sake of the conversation, right? Let's look at it objectively. Like what is the motivation to make that up? Uh, maybe they want to highlight like defense spending or something like that, right? Maybe they want to shift attention from things. Or maybe this guy really does think it's a, a, a an issue, right? He wants this stuff to have oversight and maybe it is a threat to, you know, society. And, you know, there's both angles and it just, you know, me personally, right? Like I'm not going to say I'm a mentalist or anything, but I feel like I have a really, a good knack on reading people and sure. just he seems genuine, right? Like he seems genuine. And, and again, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a whatever. I can't read officially, but it just doesn't seem like he had a lot of tendency to like lie. But I mean, I could be completely off base. This is just me as right. a human looking at another human talking. Same with the other guys. Uh, you know, I think it was Graves and um, I'm going to forget the other guy's name. Uh, Fravor. Fravor, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fravor. They just, and, and I've seen people say this, right? They'll say, okay, even David Grush, maybe he genuinely does believe what he's saying and he's just been fed this information. I think there's so many different angles to this that, that make mm -hmm. it so fascinating. And the fact that there isn't evidence, that leaves it open. He's offered to give this stuff up in, in skiff uh, rooms and stuff like that. There's rumors that he's been denied that and all that. So then you start wondering, well, what's the motivation there? I just find the whole thing so fascinating to me. And I, I don't know your take on it, but when you sent me the original, like, I think it was the original inter interview that he did on, on, I forgot what the news channel was. News, news Nation, Nation, I think. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this is like, it was the, one of the first ones that I saw that said, all right, I, there might be something here. 
You know, it didn't right. seem like a joke. It didn't seem fake. It didn't seem like it was politically motivated, at least to me, right, as I'm watching this. And it was just really, really fascinating. And I, I know you're you're into this too, but I'm coming into it like it's been a long time since I've really researched any of this stuff or really, like, really got sucked back into it. But I think this particular set of news and this particular, you know, congressional hearing really piqued my interest again. And it's really got me fascinated by this stuff, kind of like I used to be a long time ago. Yeah. I think for me, the big thing is that this is in front of Congress now. So all of those people, the witness, three witnesses that you talked about, Fravor, Grush, and Graves, were all under oath. And they're not just normal citizens. They've achieved quite a lot um, in the Defense Department, either as fighter pilots or intelligence officers. So these aren't just random people. These are people who have a lot of credibility and they are under oath to Congress. And so to me, that that makes me pay attention, you know, a bit. And so I don't know, Drew, should we should we jump into this? Should I we so. look look at some of this stuff and try to evaluate it? Um, and before we do, let me let me bring up some comments. Johnny Utah says, I wonder what the deal is with Mars. It should be inhabited. It's the right size and distance from the sun, yet it's devoid of life. Your thoughts. I don't know. Drew, do you have thoughts? I, I'm trying to think of, you know, I've, I think I read a couple books back in the day where there was in science fiction books. And I used to, I used to read, you know, books about space and stuff like that. And I, I remember, can't remember the book that it was. And it's probably more lore, but there was people that speculated that life came from Mars to earth. Right. And it's been, a, it's been in a lot of stories, but maybe it was one of those things where the planet kind of died and earth came here or microbes came from there. I think, you know, there's a lot of exploration of Mars now with rovers and all that kind of stuff. So right. it's definitely interesting to think about that. And if they find certain things like water, etc., you know, you never know what's out there, but it, it, it's a, uh, it's a really fascinating thing. I mean, you're right though it is the right size and distance from the sun. It would be cool if we can send humans there at some point. I know that that's obviously on the list of things to do. A lot of private space exploration is looking to do that. Um, if they can make that trip, I think that would be a really cool human achievement to put people out on Mars and check it out with boots on the ground. Right. Oh, hundred percent. It would be crazy to go to Mars. Can you imagine? My yeah. goodness. Um, <laughs> and to your question, Johnny, I think my understanding is one of the major reasons why life is have, has trouble on Mars. You know, not only is it the the atmosphere, um, the atmosphere is just has the wrong makeup for life as we know it. Um, the magnetic field of Mars died uh, sometime in the past. So basically, that means the amount of radiation that pours down to the surface of Mars makes life as we know it uh, very, very difficult, if not impossible. Yeah. So, but. But I know there's a lot of speculation that in the past, Mars may have been uh, a lot like Earth. So Did you, did you ever read the, uh, I don't know if you read the, the novels and they made a TV show out of it. It was uh, The Expanse. Um, the, the, oh, the, I, haven't, I haven't seen that yet. I heard it's excellent. It's, yeah, it's based on a bunch of um, books and the books are fantastic. And it, it's really cool because it, it, uh, it, it takes a really interesting like angle on it where it's like, okay, more realistic. Like if people were out there, right, there's people that grew up in like the asteroid belt and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating thing. And I just think about that a lot. It's like, what if people did colonize these places and what would life really be like out there? So that's, uh, right. it's worth checking out as a, as a book. I think I can 
say a book, right? I'm allowed to say Yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a great recommendation. Yeah. Um, I, I've been meaning to check out that whole story. They're really good. Um, absolutely. And Marianella says, my dad told me the testimony of a girl who ran over an alien with her car. The alien got up oh and chased gosh. the girl, no matter how fast he was a- after her, until suddenly he was no longer there. That's that's wild. Wow. That's terrifying. So I, yeah. <laughs> I remember watching, I forgot what... Uh, what show it was, but it was probably one of the ones you mentioned. And it's like, you watch the abduction stories and things like yes. that. And that's, that's the stuff. Like I always joke with my co-host of my show, bad way. I'm like, you know, I'll watch pretty much anything, but demonic possession, alien abductions, like those kind of things. Right. Just, I don't know. They keep me up at night a little bit when I think about them. <laughs> scary, scary thoughts. It they? is. Yeah. yeah. And that's a whole other realm. Like there, sure. there are so many stories about, abductions and things like that as well um drew tube <laughs> hey, drew. hey drew the other drew uh a cobra kai uh cobra kai kid drew just joined this is so cool that you're talking about this uh i'm glad you enjoy it drew and everyone drew tube is his new channel that talks about all movies and tv shows he's already lined up some great interviews so everyone check out and subscribe to drew tube uh, Robana, channel member. Thank you for being a channel member. Thank you for joining us. And uh, Lockfear, remember me. It's great to have you here. Um, and Marianella says uh, X Files. Yeah, X Files was was a great show as well. That that was a phenomenon, right? And that dealt with at times aliens and UFOs. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Drew. Here we go. So so here's what I'm going to do. So those of you who just for those of you who don't know these stories, I'll kind of set up these videos. The first video, the first clip we're going to see is a declassified government video um, of the Tic Tac. This is the Tic Tac incident. What happened was in 2004, there was this object that was being detected by our military off the coast of San Diego. And so Commander David Fravor had a squadron out there and he basically scrambled jets to go see this thing. Apparently, it's, it had been out there. It had been sighted on our sensors for a week. But they wanted to lay eyes on this and see exactly what it was. So they go out to this thing. And they, they look at it from really high up. They look down to the ocean. And it, it's this like little white thing that's over like this roiling water. Like the, the water was the sea, the ocean was just blue, except where this, this Tic Tac was. And it was just, the, it was like bubbling. It looked like it could have been a whale or something. And uh, the Tic Tac was like bouncing back and forth like a ping pong. Okay. And so then they decide to dive down and go look, take a look at it. But as they go down, suddenly the Tic Tac breaks off and goes up and it kind of mirrors their motion. And so they lay eyes on it, and it was like about a 30 to 40 foot wide tic-tac, like, like the little candy, the breath mint. And um, so they saw it, and they were kind of trying to get in front of it, and then it basically just, just shot off in like a split second. And they're like, we lost visual on this. We don't know where it is. And then they got radioed in. They said, uh, hey, guess what? it's back at your cap point. So that's like a predetermined point, you know, where they 
conducted exercises. And so it was like instantly down, like within one second, it was 60 miles away at the cap point. And then uh, one of the other people just at the last minute got video of this tic-tac object. So I'm going to play that video now, Drew, and then I want to get your thoughts on it. Okay, there's no audio with it. So you're now you're looking through military cameras in 2004. Okay, and then that, that switched to infrared. So that's an infrared image of the Tic Tac. So crazy. It is crazy. Then people have gone in and kind of analyzed all the information on the screen. And then, okay, so we switch back to this is visible. So you're seeing kind of if I'm understanding correctly, you're, you're seeing how the, the light, it's the sun has lit the top of it. What time of day was this, did they say? I don't know, except it was it was during the day. It was during the day. Okay, so they zoomed in, zoomed out, and then it basically shot off. So that was, that was the Tic Tac. And so, Drew, I know that that's kind of when we're kind of laymen and we're not used to seeing videos like that. And uh, that's probably something very profound to someone who is used to that kind of imagery, to all that kind of stuff. And I know people have complained that it's grainy, but I don't know what hits you when, when you watch that. I think the, I wish I could understand the information that was on the screen. Like I, I'm not a pilot, so I don't know mm-hmm. a lot about, you know, the, the measurements and the things that were there on the, on the military sensors and whatnot. But I think the, the interesting thing is, and it's not necessarily from the video, but it's the description that you gave but then I think the thing about how it shoots off at the end and right. you know all the corresponding information about how it doesn't necessarily follow the rules of physics as we know them, you know, especially mm-hmm. being able to go supersonic in, I don't know, how, like a second, travel very far distances in a very short period of time, in a split second, and then also change of direction too, I think, is is the other one. But it, it's it's fascinating, right? And it's cool that they were able to get that because something was there. What mm-hmm. it was, I mean, like we said it before, like, well, why didn't they contact us? Maybe it's something we just don't really understand what it is. But something's there. They have proof of something. And when you get the testimony that goes along with it, it makes it even more fascinating because a lot of times you might hear a story of, yeah, I saw this thing. Okay, well, right. the guy described what he saw and then he had a video to back it up that sort of helped explain he wasn't seeing things. You know, we may not understand right. what it was, but something was literally there. And right. uh, it's it's really fascinating. And and when they went when they switched to infrared too, like there was like a you could still see it, right? It, it's right. again, I don't know the the information from the sensors, but it's just really fascinating that that was captured and they went to see it live. Uh, I, yes. I get so fascinated by the fact that it was hovering over the ocean, like you said, with the right. water and the way that that was. I'm so fascinated by these things appearing over water or near water and what that could mean too. And this one in particular is, it just, in the shape too, the Tic Tac, like what is mm-hmm. that? Why? I, I Again, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's not an alien. Maybe it's some advanced aircraft that we have. Who the heck knows? But it's still fascinating. <laughs> Well, Drew, to answer your question, I think I might play some of the testimony because Commander David Fravor, who was there during that incident that I just described and we just saw the Tic Tac for, was questioned under oath 
about this recently in front of Congress. So why don't we play uh, some of this? Because I think it'll be very interesting to listen to a lawmaker try to question what was going on. So let, let's let's go ahead and play that. Now, is it true that you saw, in your words, a 40-foot flying TikTok shaped object? That's correct. Or for some people that can't know what a TikTok is, it's a giant flying propane tank. <laughs> <laughs> Did this object come up on radar or interfere with your radar or, or the USS Princeton? The Princeton tracked it, the Nimitz tracked it, the E-2 tracked it. We never saw it on our radars. Our fire control radars never picked it up. The other airplane that took the video did get it on a radar. As soon as it tried to lock it, it jammed the radar, spit the lock, and he, he rapidly switched over to the targeting pod, which he can do in the, uh, the F-18. From what you saw that day and what you've seen on video, did you see any source of propulsion from the flying object, including on any potential th thermal scans from your aircraft? No, there's none. There's no uh, IR plume coming out. Uh, and Chad, who took the video, went through all the EO, which is black and white TV, and the IR modes, and there's no visible signs of propulsion. It's just sitting in space at 20,000 feet. In, in your career, have you ever seen a propulsion system that creates no thermal exhaust? No. Can you describe how the aircraft maneuvered? Uh, abruptly, uh, very determinate. It knew exactly what it was doing. It was aware of our presence, and it had acceleration rates. I mean, it went from zero to matching our speed in no time at all. Now, if the fastest plane on Earth was trying to do these maneuvers that you saw, would it be capable of doing that? No, not even close. And just to confirm, this object had no wings, correct? No wings. Now, was the aircraft that you were flying, was it armed? No, never felt threatened at all. If, if the aircraft was armed, do you believe that your aircraft or any aircraft in possession of the United States could have shot the Tic Tac down? I'd say no. Just on the performance, it would just left in a, in a split second. It looks like that we have a problem here that needs further investigation. <laughs> yes. In your belief, is this, this flying tic-tac, I mean, is, this, is it capable of being the product of any other nation on the earth? No, I actually, I said, like I said earlier, I think it defies current material science and the ability to develop that much propulsion. And I know there's been some physicists have done calculations, which is beyond anything that we have. Well, either the United States has an adversary here in this world that we don't know, or we really have some serious investigations to do. I, I really appreciate you being here. Um, is there anything else about the November 14th, 2004 incident that you think is important for this committee to know that you haven't been asked here today? No, I, I, you know, it's, it's been said it's probably the most credible UFO sighting in history based on all the sensors that were tracking it, and then for us to get visual and to go against the naysayers, it's something on the screen or whatever. I mean, there's four sets of human eyeballs. We're all very credible. Of the six of us that were involved in the thing, including the video, every one of us is going to do 20-plus years in the military in very responsible positions. So I'd say the world needs to know that. This, it's not a joke. What do you think, Drew? It's not a joke. I mean, he's right, right? How many human eyes were on it plus the sensors? And the thing that I think, and I think he said that in the beginning, right, where it jammed the radar, which is yes. which is odd, right? But he also said he never, and 
think he said that right. I don't feel I didn't feel threatened. Like he didn't feel right. like it was a threat, which is interesting because it makes you wonder like what was that? And was it observing? Was it playing with them? And I and I think about even just something is like, okay, let's say they try to attack it and they try to shoot it down or something. Cause that's what humans do, right? Uh, <laughs> it, it would be this funny thing, but it's like if it could accelerate on a dime, like there's no way they could have could have hit that thing. So yeah, it, it I mean it's fascinating. Like what was it? And I and I like that he said, you know, we had all these eyes on it. We had all these sensors. It wasn't just something on the screen, and right. I and I I think that that's really important. Like, and right. he's a credible person. It's not like some random, you know. He's not like me talking about that, right? It's he's got military experience, twenty plus years. Like, very very credible. It's very right. fascinating. I know, and I think this particular case, the Tic Tac, is kind of a slam dunk for there's something going on, right? Because he obviously is very familiar with all the most advanced military aviation technology. And he's saying that this is beyond our current understanding of physics, defies our current scientific understanding of how this works. No one could do it. We couldn't do it. Um, to me that there's something, I don't know what it is, but it seems like there's something here. And I think you're right, Drew there. There's too much like proof um, as far as like hard data, records, eyewitnesses, highly credible, the most credible eyewitnesses you could ever have for something like this. Um, it's really, it's really kind of stunning. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if you want to go non-extraterrestrial, right, you could say, like, I think you said black projects or black ops mm-hmm. type stuff. Maybe there is technology that they literally are not telling anybody about and and it is that well hidden and i'm not saying that they're testing it on our own people or something like i don't know what testing i don't even know what that means right right but it 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 could be that it is human and then just nobody knows about it like it, it certainly could be i mean it's probably unlikely but that's also a possibility it doesn't have to be extraterrestrial i guess uh, right. but it it would make more s- well, would it make more sense? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what, what it would be. You know, it's really interesting because they they asked him, they kind of asked him some more questions about this. I have another short clip where uh, another lawmaker asks him about this, um, about could it be something something else? Here, let me bring it up. Expert naval aviator, have you ever seen an object that looked and moved like the Tic Tac UAP? No. Did the Tic Tac UAP move in such a way that defied the laws of physics? The way we understand them, yes. Many dismiss UAP reports as classified weapons testing by our own government, but in your experience as a pilot, does our government typically test advanced weapon systems right next to multi-million dollar jets without informing our pilots? No, we have test ranges for that. It took over 15 years for your encounter with the Tic Tac to be declassified. Do you feel there was a good reason to prevent lawmakers from having access to this footage? No, I just think it was ignored when it happened and it just sat somewhere in a file, never got reported. So that's interesting. It's like, um, it's weird because I'm with you, Drew. I I feel like, is it possible that a human could be behind this? Because, and 
The reason I'm wondering that is because it seems whatever this is, it seems to be aware of the military. It seems to be aware of these jets, uh, maybe even observing what's going on and mimicking the movements. And why would something, it, it would almost point to something like us, if it's sort of interested in us, um, especially if it's hanging around milita- the military. Uh, so could it be human? And then it's like, every time you kind of probe, it's like, sorry, but like, this is like, not, this is beyond. And it's interesting because the United States is like, they have the most advanced, most well-funded by far military in the world. Like we should have the big, most technology, right? Yeah. I, I think two things stand out and I agree with what you said, where he said, like it was classified for X amount of years and they ignored it. I find it hard to believe they ignored it. Like it, they knew, you know, like you, you can't see that and then just say, well, we're just not going to look at that. You know, I, I, that's the one thing. And I, and I'm not saying he's wrong, but I would, I, I think that's the one thing that I have a hard time with. It's like, how would that have just sat on a shelf somewhere? I, I just don't, I don't understand that part. And then, the other thing to say, well, they wouldn't test it on people, not by any standard protocols for sure, right? Like, right. you know, and realistically, like, he's probably right, right? Like, and I don't yeah. think he has any reason to lie about that. But if that type of stuff is being hidden from people and it's something that no one talks about, like, of course, they're, we're not going to know about it. And of course, they wouldn't use it on like a standard testing range, like the most secretive of them. Uh I don't know. That that's a really interesting point because that's David Grush's whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. When he's talking about these super black projects yep. that are completely off the books that involve contractors. They're not even necessarily all yep. in control by the US military. It's contractors that are working on this stuff. Basically what you're saying is there might not even be that kind of coordination yes. because this might be a completely independent private off the books thing that doesn't have to adhere to test ranges because it may be the only way to hide it you know uh mm-hmm. they're 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 you know when you do stuff with taxpayer dollars i mean you've got a and there's ways probably to play shell games and all that stuff I and mean, people do it with finances when you look at these billionaires that have offshore accounts like imagine what you know a corporation could do if they they knew what they were doing especially and and it doesn't mean that the Assuming, right, that this is coordinated by the government doesn't mean that the government isn't in on it too. They're just doing it with the corporations instead of on the books with, you know, tax dollars and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, you've seen people launder money in the news with things. So that's also, and it, it might be another reason to also not share it with the military. So, you know, maybe it is these private groups like a Lockheed or what I mean I don't know I'm just I don't mean to sully companies out here but that those are the <laughs> right. names that come up right like those type of skunk works and you know throughout history they've used those companies to develop new technology right I mean that's mm-hmm. how we've gotten a lot of the aircraft that we have and I think when you read a lot of things too a lot of the things that people speculate is a lot of those things are in possession actually by some of these private companies and not by the government because they're using them to do that research, or that's the speculation, right? Who knows if that's true or not? But right. uh, it's a fascinating way to think about it, you know? Right. I think, though, you might have put 
your finger on what could be disturbing about this, we'll take aliens out mm -hmm. of it and why it interests me is because if it is somehow humans and some kind of private corporation that's developing this stuff, they're completely circumventing yeah. the US government. And they basically have technology that completely trounces anything we're aware of in the US government. Yeah. And that's kind of scary if you think about it. Like, uh, regardless if it's human or not human, um, someone is operating things that are well beyond our understanding or the understanding of our aviators. I mean, when you just look at that video and you hear him talk about it, like you said it earlier, and I know it's, it, I don't mean to rehash it, but like something mm -hmm. is going on, like something. Right. What that is, who the heck knows, but it, it's something. I mean, you can't see that and ignore it and say, oh, it was just in their head or, oh, no way, the sensors were going haywire. And that, that's what's so fascinating about that video in particular and his testimony, because typically you look at this stuff and I even think back to like Unsolved Mysteries and all these shows that we were talking about earlier. You get these people and it's like, oh, that's just some guy on a, on a, a farm in you know rural United States or that's just some person that saw a light, an air balloon, a weather balloon, right? That's what they always used right. to say. And this, yeah. These are like military, extremely trained and cred accredited people that are seeing something that they can't explain. And they're right. probably trained on some very, very advanced technologies. I mean, they, they definitely are. So for them to say, there's no way this fits with the technology we have, I mean, you got to take their word for it, right? Right. I know. It is, it is so fascinating. And there's even more. Uh, that we'll get to very shortly. I'll get to a couple comments here. Terry Johnson says, yeah, not everyone in the government knows what's going on completely. Uh, I know someone who used to be in the CIA, but he couldn't tell me about aliens, really. He didn't do physical type work, he said. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, Apollo, great to see you. Uh, Michi Ukaku has commented that the way this behaves physically, he doesn't see how there can be anything biological inside it. He has speculated that it must be a drone of some sort. Um, and that's something too, I, I don't remember if I've got a clip of this, but they did ask at one point, in your opinion, the motion and the, the, the acceleration that you observed, would it be possible for a human to withstand that? And the answer is, no, like a human would be liquefied by those rates of acceleration. Sure. I mean, assuming and, they're using the technology that we know of, right? Right, <laughs> right, exactly, right. Right, is there some kind of, I know in say like Star Trek, for example, yeah. uh, they use the term like inertial dampeners, mm -hmm. you know, which would, would fix that. So like, have they developed a technology where the entities inside would be safe yeah. or- is Michio Kaku right where th there isn't anything inside? It's right. it's it's completely either AI or remotely controlled or something like that. It, it would make sense for it to be a drone, right? Because I mean, we use mm -hmm. drones. Like, why put yourself? Why do you need a pilot of some type of you know living being or whatever? Right? We fly drones all the time. I mean, people fly drones above our houses now with their GoPros in them. So it's like, I I think that that's. That is very likely. Like, it doesn't have to be somebody in there. And I think that that would then better explain some of the unexplainable physics. And and, right. and to the point, I mean, I think it's a great comment there. It, it's it's certainly, certainly a good way to look at it. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Thank you, Paula. Thanks for the comment. Uh, Peter Vonisak, hey, hello. Peter. <laughs> How you doing, Peter? Thanks for joining us for our little excursion into the universe. Um, let's see. Johnny Utah says, what kind of practical applications could a flying Tic Tac have? Um, I don't know. Well, I might have a clip for that, Johnny. Let, let me let me uh, pull it up. Because Fresh breath they... for all of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah that tic tac will will give you fresh everything inside and out right my goodness uh let's see what we've got okay here we go this is basically this is talking about the national security problem so we're going to think about this from a military mm -hmm. standpoint this is the other pilot and fravor or, or maybe it's just fravor answering this question here i'll play this video Based off of each of your experiences and observations, do you believe UAPs pose a potential threat to our national security? Yes, and here's why. The, the technology that we faced was far superior than anything that we had, and you could put that anywhere. If you, if you had one, you captured one, you reverse engineered it, you got it to work, you're talking something that can go into space, go someplace, drop down in a matter of seconds, do whatever it wants, and leave, and there's nothing we can do about it. Nothing. Okay. So that's from a national security standpoint. Drew, you talked about being scared of this stuff as a kid, but that, that's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, think just think about, assume, right, talk about like adversaries or whatever. If somebody did get that, I mean, that's an arms race right there. Like, you, I know Oppenheimer and, and whatnot, uh, you know, the historical, not the movie. But like when that was happening in, in history, like the race for the atomic weapon, right? That was a very big deal in in the World War II history, you know, timeline. And you think about something like this. I mean, it, it could really, if the wrong people, and who are the wrong people, I don't know, but it could really be a big deal. And let's say there is aliens, right, or something. If they want to wipe out humanity, it seems pretty easy based on the capabilities that were shown there. Right. I, I mean... I, I do agree with that. And I think that's why it's interesting to talk about. And that's why I think it's cool to have that in congressional hearings. Like a lot of times, I don't know, I look at congressional hearings and I'm like, what are they going to do about this or something? But this is one where, okay, it's national security. Like nobody knows who these, who these things are or what they're doing. Let's talk about it because we might want to look into that a little bit more. <laughs> that's what I want them looking into, you know? It's, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Right. And uh, to your point about the arms race, that's something that David Grush, who we'll, who we'll see in a little bit, um, is claiming, and he didn't say it under oath this time, but he did say in his interview that supposedly all of the major nations or like Russia and China, um, these things, if they've crashed or they've retrieved them, that all of the superpowers also have that. So it's not it hasn't just crashed in U.S. territory. Mm -hmm. They have crashed or landed or been abandoned around the world, and that all of these superpowers are also working on trying to reverse engineer these craft. Which, I mean, it sounds like a sci-fi novel. But the thing is, like, yeah. if something like that were true, Drew, I think you're right. It's an arms race. Who could be the first to reverse engineer these things? And who's to say that somebody hasn't already? That's the other thing, right? And and we'll, right. you would never know. And, and that's, uh, I think that's another thing I saw in the news, right? Where people or, or not in the news, but on the interwebs where people are saying, oh, it's, it, 
it, it maybe already happened. We've done it and we want people to know, you know, and it's like, oh, it's right. smoke screen and all this stuff. It's, I mean, the whole thing is so fascinating, like all the angles of this, because I truly right. don't know what it is. And I don't even know what I, what I think it is. I'm not right. sure what I believe at this point. Like there, there's so many different facets of this that are so interesting to try to break down. And that's why this, this testimony was so, it was so cool the fact that it happened and those three guys were there talking about this uh they're like we said before very decorated you know individuals that don't really have a reason to to make this stuff up right um so what i would like to do is bring up the next video that was released by the government this is the gimbal video so we can watch uh two more videos that tie into the another witness at this congressional hearing. Uh, so we're going to watch the gimbal video. This happened off the East coast of the United States, um, maybe around the Virginia area in 2015. And this involved Lieutenant, uh, Ryan Graves. So let me bring this up and I'll, let me, so this one, you can hear the pilots talk. We'll wait for the Tic Tac to go away. Thank you. Tic Tac for your, <laughs> there we go. Dude, this is a fucking drone, bro. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. We're going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. Look at that thing, dude. That's not our LNS, though, is it? It's not. That is an LNS, dude. Well, if there's like another thing. It's rotating. I actually like that the you could hear the conversation too because mm -hmm. it, it the reaction to that it actually adds to the movements because like you said I, I'm not a pilot so I don't know like when something's especially looking through instruments like is something crazy or not right like as a musician if I hear something that's like really fascinating in music I'm like whoa uh, but seeing the movements and then hearing their reaction to it really adds to oh, okay I guess that's something that's pretty serious there. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. And th these things basically were happening daily, according to Ryan Graves. Like they were uh, doing training. They were doing, you know, these were kind of like test areas and they were flying our military craft and they were encountering these things every day. And his perspective is that there's the stigma about reporting. The powers that be don't want to hear about this. You're not, you're expected to keep quiet and not report these things. But those are flight safety issues, and they're having sometimes near collisions with these things, and it's not being addressed. And it's it's like, what are these things? We don't understand what they're doing, and they're a safety hazard, but we're not supposed to talk about them. Yeah. You know, and I, it's, I think the thing that you said there that really is so fascinating to me is, why would they not want them to talk about it? Right. 
like, what's the reason? Because it is a flight safety issue. Like right. if that thing collided with them or, hey, it's an adversary in our airspace. Like, let's say right. it was somebody from another country that was adversarial. Oh, don't talk about it. Like, that's the first thing that you should talk about. So that's the thing that I can't comprehend. Like, why mm -hmm. not talk about it? It's weird. Do you, do, do you want to know something really scary? Please. <laughs> that Ryan Graves was talking about, Lieutenant Graves was talking about in his hearing, is that it's not just the military, it's also commercial pilots yep. that are seeing this. Um, okay, commercial pilots would be the pilots that you and I uh, use the services of when we're flying across the country. And they're seeing these things, according to Lieutenant Graves, and the FAA... And everyone does not want the commercial pilots talking about it and for fear of, you know, they could lose their jobs as uh, not credible. And so basically you have air hazards from these things we don't know what they are that might have been around a plane you or I have been on. Um, and these pilots aren't supposed to speak up and not talk about it and not report it. Uh, and they could basically impact our safety, like the safety of citizens, not just yeah. military pilots. What, what do you, why do you think that they're, like, what reason would there be to not talk about it outside of it being, hey, it's some secret black ops project that we can't talk about? Well, you know, I've heard the idea that basically if you have military, especially the pilots that we've heard from in this test, in this hearing are Navy pilots. You almost never hear from the Air Force at all. Um, and supposedly the air force is really non-cooperative even with like entities that are trying to do this and you know people say it could be because their job their charge is to protect us from the air and yet there are these things that they can't do that job they don't they don't know what they are so if they don't know what they are uh <laughs> you know they're kind of it violates yeah. it compromises their whole mission um if they admit that they're there um, that, that's an idea. That's a good um, point. But you know, that, I mean, that's just an idea. It just seems like, uh, maybe the air force isn't really, uh, talking about this. Now, David Grush, who's testifying here, he, he was from the air force and then went into intelligence. So that's the branch of military that he's in. Um, but for that gimbal and go fast video, those with the two videos, that's what they're called. Uh, Ryan Graves is part of that. And I want to play now just so you can kind of see him uh, talking about the things he saw, which are different from the Tic Tac. It's not exactly the same thing. Uh, the objects that are being seen by commercial pilots are uh, performing maneuvers that are unexplainable due to our current understanding of our technology and our capabilities as a country. And that applies for the military as well. Mr. 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 Ferrer. Yeah, I concur with that. We have nothing that can stop in midair and go the other direction, nor do we have anything that can, like in our situation, come down from space, hang out for three hours and go back up. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty wild. Um, Crazy, man. I might bring up another video because that one was pretty quick. Um, and then this is him talking about, you know, they're not that these were not our aircraft. Some of the behaviors that we saw in a working area, we would see these objects, uh, being at 0, 0.0 Mach, that's zero airspeed over certain pieces of the ground. So what that means, just like a river, if you throw a bobber in, it's going to float downstream. These objects were staying completely stationary in category four hurricane winds. 
These same objects would then accelerate to supersonic speeds, 1.1, 1.2 Mach, uh, and they would do so in very erratic and, and quick behaviors that we don't, I don't have an explanation for. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there's that. And I'll follow that up with just one more because he's uh, asked like what, what they look like. So are there common characteristics to the UAPs that have been cited by different pilots? And can you describe what the convergence of descriptions is? Certainly. Uh, we were primarily seeing dark gray or black cubes inside of a clear sphere. I'm sorry, dark gray or black cubes? Yes, inside yeah. of a clear sphere, where the apex or tips of the cube were touching the inside of that sphere. And that was primarily what was being reported when we were able to gain a visual tally of these objects. And that occurred over almost eight years. And as far as I know, it's still occurring. <laughs> would you, would you want to see one of these or would you rather not see one? I think I would want to. Yeah, I, I would definitely want to. Yeah, I would want to. Cause it's like hearing it, it sounds so wild. Like I, I can visualize exactly what he's talking about. Like a, 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 a cube inside of a sphere where the, the, right. the corners are touching. And it's like, it sounds like a science fiction novel. I mean, it, it really does. And But the fact that they've seen multiple sightings of these things, like, I don't know, I go back and forth because it's like seeing it might really freak you out. But then it's like, I just want to know. I, right. <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> right. And, and that's the thing. You would think that with all of our current technology mm -hmm. and imaging capabilities that we have, we actually have documentation of what these things look like, especially if they've been cited for the past eight plus years. Uh, someone must have taken video or pictures of this. Must have. Yeah. Um, that's, and I think that's what this hearing is about is like, there's this frustration of the classification levels. Why isn't this being released? Why aren't we being transparent? Uh, even drew from a scientific curiosity standpoint, like you want to see it, like yeah. not just uh, because, you know, I know you have like a curiosity and wonder about the universe and our world and would be very interested to know about phenomena happening around us. Even from that purely investigative scientific standpoint, you would think that scientists should be brought into this. Like we should know, we should be yeah. able to investigate what this is. I... <laughs> You know, I go back, I go back and forth on this too, where it's like people's like <laughs> photos get leaked, you know, it's like, oh, this, this person was committing a crime and that gets leaked. H how is this not leaked? You know, like I get that the powers that be, and it may be the most secretive thing in the world possible, but it's just wild that none of that has leaked. And and I think there was a part of the hearing and I, I can't remember if it was Matt Gates or whatever, but he said that he saw a photo that he was made aware of or he was brought to something and he it like shocked him like he couldn't believe right. what he saw and like he seemed very genuinely concerned <laughs> you know right and he whether it's real or not it's it's odd right and everyone's like you said it before i think people don't understand like how big of a deal it is that these folks are all under oath like i know people lie all the time but mm -hmm. you can't be in a more like you better not lie situation here. They could go to jail like for a long time if they're lying. And uh, right. I mean, they're putting their necks on the line to, to share this information, which is what makes it so compelling. Right. And since these guys come from the military, 
you know, as well, they're expected to have candor. Like when they're, when they're being interviewed about certain events, whenever they're re- giving the reports of what they're seeing, they're expected to do that with candor. And sure. it's a big, it's a big deal if they're not doing that. So it's like, you can tell that these guys, it's ingrained in them. To, especially if they're under oath, if it's for the government, if they're serving their country, they're going to reply with candor about what they saw. And um, I think that's what makes this compelling, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, the whole thing is so fascinating to me. And I, and I think a lot about the description of the Tic Tac versus this cube inside of a sphere. And then mm-hmm. you wonder, okay, let's say it is extraterrestrials. Are there different types? That, right. You know, what, are they from the same? Are they warring factions? Are they, you know, like you have different, you know, people on earth that are from different countries and races and backgrounds and ethnicities and whatever. Could that be, or could it be more advanced versions of whoever, right? Could it be humans from the future? Could it be interdimensional type stuff? Could it be mind control? Like who the heck knows? It's <laughs> It's wild, but it's like, clearly it's not, it's not on a screen. It's not computer graphics. It's not some type of hallucination. There's multiple people seeing this. Something's going on. I just don't know what. <laughs> right. I know. That's but Drew, see, that part is what has me so interested me right too. now. Because there's a mystery. And I know I know a lot of people want the answer to the mystery. Uh, but I also savor the mystery. I like agree. it's, it's great not knowing what these are, but it's like, we're listening to highly credible people saying something's going on that we don't understand the scientific part of me that piques my interest. And it's like, we need more data. We need to go figure this out. It's a, some kind of atmospheric phenomenon. It could be, is it natural? Could it be human? Could it be non-human? I mean, it's worthy of investigation and The other side of this that kind of frustrates me is that you have people in the scientific community who are kind of dragging their heels. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm so sorry, but the way science works and the way it's always worked is that there's something happening, some phenomenon in nature in the universe that you notice and you start to notice a pattern or you want to be able to explain it. And so then you start studying it. You Mm -hmm. want to try to systematically get data about this thing. And it seems like we have something that's observed that's real that we've documented and yet it seems like a lot of scientists really are like they're not picking up the ball and running with it like let's go to work let's let's put this through some rigor um and i don't know why that's not being done i think part of that could be it's similar to the the commercial pilots right where there's this stigma of i can't be associated with that because if I'm associated with that, then they're going to think I'm not a credible scientist or, oh, then I'll be the crazy guy that thinks about UFOs. And I think if they came together more as a community and said, hey, look, there's something clearly of interest here. You know, you don't have to go extraterrestrial. It could be, like you said, it's a, it's a problem to figure out. It's like a math problem. Let's try to find mm-hmm. the answer to the equation. Like, I think you're right. As a scientist, you you would think, hey, I want to understand this because it, it ha- you almost have a natural curiosity. And you, you said something earlier, and I, I resonated with it, where it's like savoring the mystery. Like, I don't know if you ever watch a good TV show or you wa- read a book 
And sometimes you like you just want to get to the end because you want to know what happens. Right. And but then when you do that, sometimes you forget like the fun that you're having while it's sort of unraveling. And and it, I think when you look back, I mean, look back in history, probably 20, 30 years from now, even even lo- even longer, right? Say fifty years from now. I think we'll probably look at this moment and it'll be like, okay, this is where it all kind of started. And this is where things started to really come together because that, that testimony, whether it's a smoke screen, a psyop or whatever, that's a historic thing that, that hasn't really happened before. The fact that these guys are talking about this under oath in front of elected officials, it just hasn't happened before. It's always been on a TV right. show like Unsolved Mysteries or some right. random news channel that people say, oh, those are just, they're crazy. You know, this is, these are real people talking about real things. It's its very, very, very fascinating. Yeah, it, it is just fascinating. I, I want to play one more video from Graves who's talking, who talks about an incident that I'd never heard of at Vanden, Vandenberg Air Force Base. And I want to get your thoughts, Drew. Can you please explain to me in detail the event that occurred at Vandenberg Air Force Base? Certainly. Uh, in the 2003 timeframe, uh, a large group of Boeing contractors were operating near one of the launch facilities at Vandenberg Air Force Base when they observed a very large 100-yard sided uh, red square uh, approach the base from the ocean and hover at low altitude over one of the launch facilities. Um, this object remained for about 45 seconds or so before darting off over the mountains. Um, there was a similar event within 24 hours later in the evening. Uh, this was a morning event, uh, I believe 8.45 in the morning. Later in the evening, post-sunset, uh, there were uh, reports of other sightings on base, uh, including some aggressive behaviors. Uh, these objects were approaching some of the security guards at rapid speeds uh, before darting off. Uh, and this is information that was received through one of the uh, witnesses that have approached me at Americans for Safe Aerospace. There we go. And then she, I think she went on to ask, like, is there any official documentation? And they're like, yes, there was official government documentation of this. Big, big red square, big as a football field, Drew, I, I, hovering over Vandenberg Air Force Base, which nothing's supposed to be able to fly over an Air Force Base. Yeah. So, like, the first thing that comes to mind is, Tic Tac, sphere and a square and a sphere, a, a, a square the size of a football field, a rectangle the size of the football field, red. Like, none of those things resemble any type of known technology for flying, right? You look at a, right. something that's going to fly, it's either going to be like a helicopter or a plane, maybe a hot air balloon or something, right? But like, none of those shapes make any type of aero aerospace sense really when you think right. about physics and, and and flight mechanics like that one also was interesting too because he said that uh, if you listen to Fravor he said it was more observing this was Graves was saying that it was making aggressive movements yes. so a different kind of shape doing different type of behavior above an air force base and, th- and the fact that they're like they're happening near military facilities like is really interesting because mm. i mean for a variety of reasons right are they scoping out behaviors are they intimidating you know are they part of the military are they adversaries like I, I don't know is it is it anything i mean who knows but it's just odd that it's like different shapes different 
mechanics in all these different incidents. I mean, it, and I guess you could say like an F-18 looks very different than a helicopter. So when you think about whatever technology could be, I mean, they're, they're different, you know, mechanics. But um, I just thought it was it was really fascinating that there are these weird shapes that are not like anything that we we use at all for, for flying. And I don't know right. if that stood out to you. Yeah, I, you're right. That stood out to me. And also the fact that these seem to be very, hmm, maybe simple geometric mm -hmm. shapes. Like, for instance, if you look at our aircraft for the most part, um, they're not very simple. Like, you know, right. if you were to draw like an airplane or a helicopter, like it's, it's complicated. It's not like you could say it's symmetrical in certain ways, but uh, it's not a simple geometric shape or these tend to be that. Um, and I, it, you, you wonder if there's like certain technology that um, needs these things to, to be very simple geometric shapes. I mean, probably what the stealth bomber is maybe the closest. I mean, if you look at it, mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like a triangle and it would, it would, it's very stunning to see, I think right. for that reason, because it's very different than any of our other uh, aircraft. And uh, you know, I don't know. It's yeah, it's a really good point. Two, two things come to mind, especially what you said about the stealth bomber. Don't, don't let me forget because what I want to say is like, imagine the first time you saw like an SR 71, or like the first time you saw a stealth bomber, like you might've thought it was a UFO. It's like, holy crap, what the heck is that thing? Like sometimes they right. have military flyovers at like sporting events and stuff like that. And like you see the stealth bomber and it's like, it it is very awe inspiring when you see something like that. I mean, the noise, the, 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 the sound and just sort of like what, just the shock that you have of seeing something like that. But something that I, I thought about as you were talking about this and I was thinking about the, the physics of some of this stuff, Take like, um, and this is where it start, you start to wonder, like, is it of Earth? Is it of somewhere else? Take a B-2 stealth bomber. Can that thing fly in the atmosphere on Jupiter? Probably not, right? Because the, no. the, the, the makeup of the environment is very different, like a spacecraft, right? Like, I know that if you try to land on the moon, it's very different than probably landing somewhere else. And then to be able to do the maneuvers that it's saying within a different environment, like, literally a different environment it's it's a different planet like if it was not of earth the technology would need to be so advanced or they would need to understand the makeup of the earth and the atmosphere or have some such of some type of strong strong understanding of of the laws of physics across the universe <laughs> right. uh to, to to really be able to do that and it's something i never really thought about before because we just kind of assume oh it flies here it can go fly there like where is it coming from and right. and maybe it is originating here, or maybe it's just so advanced. Like at the end of the day, I feel like the universe, and this is going to be an oversimplification, but in a lot of ways, like all the laws are really just math. Like it's mathematics right. in a lot of ways, right. right? You look at different equations and things. I mean, it's ways that we as humans sort of understand things and how they work. We use numbers. And right. uh, I just wonder a lot about that. And it's something that really fascinates me, thinking about yeah. these operating in other environments. You know, you talk about operating in other environments, but, and you also mentioned the fact that the universe is very large and that forms of life, 
you know, we tend to look at things from our own perspective and see things in a very human-centric standpoint. And, you know, one thing I've thought about before is if it's not from Earth, then what would life look like elsewhere? And I'm not just talking about, like, appearance. I'm talking about the scale, how big it is. Like, obviously, we have life of all different sizes here on Earth, but especially if we have life coming from different planets, um, different evolution, what's the likelihood that that form of life is going to be our size? Like, five to six feet tall, generally? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's that likelihood? Because another thing I've noticed is that these craft that we see tend to be on our size scale. They, they tend to be in mm-hmm. scale with us. Like, you know, you're talking about like this Tic Tac that's 30 to 40 feet long. That's about the size of our own aircraft. And, uh, you know, we're seeing, you know, these objects that seem to be about our size. So, mm-hmm. you know, what's the likelihood that things coming from other planets and other parts of the galaxy um, are going to be our size? Yeah, I, I think that's a super fascinating thing to think about because, like I was talking about the expanse earlier, one of the things that that they they talk about in that book is like the people that grew up. They call them the belters. So the people that grow up in the asteroid belt, like the gravity is less out there, so they're taller and thinner and and have mm. very elongated features. But you're right. Like, what if something was more on the scale of like an ant, or what if something was right. more on the scale of like, I don't know think about comic books like Galactus or something like the world Mm -hmm. eater and stuff like that. And you're right. Like, and that's where I come back to we as humans, we try to understand things in a way that, that makes sense to us. So we try to put human qualities on things. We try to make like, you know, why do they even have two eyes, right? Why does a traditional alien have two eyes and what you see, Right. right? The grays or all of that. Why do they look generally humanoid? Like, what's to say something would have bipedal, like, you know, two legs and two arms? I mean, what's to say it's not even invisible? Like, you know, for us, like, you know, think about what a dog sees compared to what a human sees, like the the, the spectrum that people see. Could they be invisible to us and maybe some something more infrared? Could it be more energy-based? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm totally off the rails here, but you raised a really good point. Like what's to say that they're the way that we think they are. And I don't know. I really, it's such a fascinating, like I, this is such a interesting topic. (laughs) Yeah, it, it, it is fascinating. And I, I think it's something worth considering because you're right. Our assumptions maybe can sometimes get in the way of what might be possible and what's out there. But you know, Drew, there was another guy testifying the man who has all the answers. Apparently David Grush who says, well, you know what solves that problem is the fact that, guess what? We just have all this we stuff. We got them. <laughs> we know it because we've seen it. Yeah. And so let me uh, let me go ahead and play uh, Grush. Uh, he's basically saying here that the government has possession. I want to be very clear. He's saying that the, our government has possession of UFOs. Wild. Finally, do you believe that our government is in possession of UAPs? Uh, absolutely, based on interviewing uh, over 40 witnesses over four years. And, and, and where? I know the exact locations, and, and those locations were provided to the Inspector General and some of which to the Intelligence Committees. I actually had the people with the firsthand knowledge um, provide a protected disclosure to the Inspector General. 
Okay. So so this so Grush, obviously, you can kind of tell he's comes from a different background than the two pilots that we've seen. You know, he comes from uh, he was in the Air Force and then he was in the Pentagon. Apparently, it was very high level um, intelligence. You know, he worked as intelligence. He had super high clearance. And as part of his job for the uh, task force, the UAP task force, he interviewed all these people and saw documentations and drew. He has just said that, yes, the United States has possession of unidentified aerial phenomena craft. What do you think? I go back to like what reason would he have to make that up? Like he talks about 40 people that he's interviewed that ha- like, I know pe- that people will attack him and say, well, he, he never saw it. He himself never saw it. And yes, that's true. But his job was to run. Like, wasn't he like the head of basically this task force or he was very high up to your point. Right. Like he had access to things uh, and he's coming forth as a whistleblower. He's putting his own reputation on the line. Like, I know everyone wants to say, well, show me the proof. And I get that. Mm-hmm. But he's yep. offered to have the conversations and tell the people that he talked to, like, here's what I saw, here's what I... And he's, he wants to do it in secure facilities, which, I, I mean, makes sense. I Then there's the other side of it where they'll say... He truly believes what he's saying, but he's been fed bad information. Right. But like, again, why would, unless it's some smokescreen or something, I don't understand why that would happen. And I'm not the smartest guy on the the government politics and all that kind of stuff. So there may be very valid reasons, but it just doesn't seem like there would be a valid reason to me for this guy to lie. Like, I, I just don't understand. Yeah. Well, Drew, you bring up a really good point. It's that he hasn't had access. He tried to get access after he learned about this, these things. He tried to get access into these programs to see what was going on, but he was denied access. So everything that he's presenting is from researching people. He says that he has seen the like official documents from the programs and possibly visual documents like pictures and that type of thing. Um, and he's talked to the people who are on the programs. And so you're right. It's like this. I think people want to say this is hearsay. However, mm-hmm. I don't think that's quite right, right in terms of if he has truly seen uh, the actual documents from the program, if he's seen actual photographs from the program, I think, you know, any journalist or historian would would call those primary documents, you know, if they're if they're legit. So I don't think, you know, reporting or giving testimony based on primary documents is hearsay necessarily. It's not like he, you know, heard some guy talking, you know, or someone just said, Hey, you got to trust me, bro. Like this is, this is what, (laughs) this is what's going on. Like if he's actually seen those documents, I think that puts it up a bit, but you bring up a really interesting point. These could be fabricated. This could be a ruse potentially. Uh, You would think that he would do his due diligence and make sure that, you know, all these people aren't somehow coordinating this information um, to present to him in a way to give him a false impression of what might be going on, because it seems to be very incriminating, the idea that the government uh, is basically taking funding from Congress and diverting it into black programs that have no oversight and they're doing what they want, and also giving these materials and money 
to contractors, you know, mm-hmm. outside of the government. So, and that's one of the things he basically accused the government of doing is passing off this hardware, supposedly non-human hardware, uh, to private contractors so it could escape oversight from the government. I, I think you made a lot of good points there. The one that, that stands out to me too is like he's obviously putting his own reputation on the line. So you would think that somebody would be relatively confident before they go and like nobody wants to be embarrassed, right? That's human, right? As a human, you don't want to be embarrassed. And, you know, if, like think about just, you know, a regular job. If you go and escalate something to some high up VP or some senior person in, in a company, for example, and you're not telling the truth or you did it based on what somebody told you, you're going to be in trouble, right? Like, I mean, that's just how the world works. So if you think about that, that's kind of what he's doing here. Like he has to share information with people. He's putting his own reputation on the line. He's sticking his neck out there. He really does believe what he's saying. Like, I don't see a scenario. And again, he could have been fed bad information, but I think to the best of his ability, I'm sure he's vetted it. And I'm sure he truly feels, because I mean, think about this. Like he's, he's all in front of the world, like the entire world. It's not just like, oh, he went on some local cable channel. Like this guy's all over the internet, all over the world. Like the world is connected. People know his name. So I don't think you would just put yourself out there to say, yeah, maybe, you know, I, I feel like pretty with a reasonable certainty this is real. No, I mean, like, I just don't see a scenario where he didn't vet that stuff. And I, you nailed it when you said that, because, I mean, I just, I don't know. And I think the piece about diverting funding is the most fascinating thing about it as well, because maybe that's the only way they can get this stuff looked at. And when they say they, like, who are they? Then you start going down a whole rabbit hole of like, what's the motivation there? And we've all watched movies and read books and, <laughs> you know, right. played video games where all of this stuff <laughs> happens, the secret cabal of people. Like that, that's fascinating by itself as well. So I, I, I Grush, Grush is a really interesting person. And what he said, right. it, like, of all the testimony, man, it's like you said, you call it hearsay, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Right. And based on what we know, right? Like we, we, we haven't seen these documents he's talked about, you know, it could be that he's inflating what he's got. And, uh, but, but that's the thing. It seems like such a short distance to be able to tell if it's true or not. Like people would just need to look at what he's got and the information he has and be able to, to do that if they're willing to pursue it, which I don't know why you wouldn't want to pursue it. Um, I'll bring up one more video from him. That's perhaps the spiciest video or it's gotten the most press. Um, <laughs> and you know what it is. Craft uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my news nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this documentary evidence, this video, photos, eyewitness, like how would that be determined? The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about. Gotcha. Yeah. 
Okay. Non-human biologics, Drew. What, what do you think? <laughs> it's a very strong thing to throw out there if it's not true. Like, what, right. what and non-human, what does that even mean, right? And, and the word biologics right. is also fascinating, too, because, like, I instantly go to Independence Day or something like that, or you think about Dr. Oaken, uh, Brent Spiner, and all that stuff, and I think a lot about, you know, on when I think about that that movie in particular, when they were in Area 51 and they had the bodies and the tubes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like, of course, and, and I know some folks have mentioned Roswell earlier when we were talking. I think that was also famous where they said oh, they, they, they recovered some type of body, an alien body. And there was, you know, I remember, right. I forgot what show it was, was the alien autopsy where it was a hoax and all that stuff. Uh, but right. like, it doesn't also mean, and I, I read this before, it doesn't necessarily mean that they were like human biologic or non-human biologics. Like, oh, it's an alien that's alive. Like some people have speculated they use those bodies right. as like drones themselves where they're like almost uh, avataring in like like the movie right. Avatar, which is right. fascinating too. Maybe that's how they deal with the tic-tac mechanics and physics. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it is the most, like you said, spicy. That's the right word because- like I, your mind just goes all over the place. It's like, what is that? What could it be? And what does that mean for the universe? <laughs> right. And let let me let me bring this up. Um, okay, biologic. I, I I figured we we need to look this up because this yeah. isn't a word that it's it's kind of a an interesting word choice because he could have said biological specimens he could have like been more clear biologics seems to be about the vaguest term you could use for this mm-hmm. and it's deter- another term for biological uh, these natural biologics can be as potent as manufactured drugs so what's an example of a biologic hormones blood products uh, i don't know that word growth factors vaccines <laughs> gene and cellular therapies fusion proteins insulin so we're talking not necessarily like yeah. a complete animal. We're talking about even just like small biological mo- like molecules or yeah. cells or, you know. So this is vague, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you think about if, if these crafts have crashed, think about a plane crash with a human in it. I mean, it could have just, right. you know. I had to get gruesome here, but you could just have body parts left or teeth or something like, right. Like I think in certain accidents, they identify people by, you know, dental records and stuff when it's extreme, like maybe they have stuff like that, uh, you know, but when he says non-human, that's what really gets you because let's say it is blood or something or some form of body fluid. Like they know that it's not of human origin when he's saying non-human. So what that means is is very fascinating. Like, what could that be? <laughs> right. I know. And I like your avatar uh, kind of, it, it could be something like that too. Or uh, I, I think this kind of, if people want to say that this is just mechanical, like it's an AI, it's, it's some sort of computer, this seems to indicate that there's something alive with these. If, if what he's saying is true, um, you know, if, or if what he's seen is accurate. Uh, there's something living that's have to do with these things. Yeah. Well, I think about Terminator, right? Like the human mm. flesh on the outside of like a mechanical skeleton or right. something like that. 
you know, I, I don't I don't know what it could be. I, I actually I, I have to give credit. I think it was on Reddit or something and I was I was reading about some of this and the Avatar thing was really something I had never thought about before. And I thought that that was like made a lot of sense because they could grow. Like, I mean, I know I'm going way out here now, but let's assume that it was not true. That's what we do here. (laughs) It's it's very after dark. So we're allowed, but let's say that there is some type of non-human that non-human craft, non-human biologics. What better way to explore a world in a, in a physical body than to just create something, maybe 3D print? Because we can 3D print organs now. Like, I know they can right. do that, right? They grow cells, and this is human stuff, so they can 3D right. print, you know, a kidney or whatever. That's at least what they're, what they're researching. I mean, it's not to say that that couldn't be done. I mean, those things can be cultured and then grown. And then let's say they could put consciousness in and then jump out of it. I mean, I know I'm way out there, but... that type of thing fascinates me and I love science fiction. So even if it's not real, like that stuff is, is very intriguing as a possibility. I know. And that's, that's what's so confounding about this. It's just, it's vague enough that it just sets our imaginations going like crazy. At least it does for me. Yeah. And it makes me want to know, like, what is this? Like, I want the information. I want to see what this guy's seen. Um, what's happening you know because something's going on like i think as we you know grush is coming from a different angle than the pilots the pilots i think are saying you know the nuts and bolts this is what we saw this is the behavior we observed grush is like reporting on inside information coming from deep inside these black projects so it's like a different source of information but my goodness like trying to put this together is just absolutely fascinating i i know Um, uh i know terry said earlier like what if they don't want us just freaking out? Like I, I was thinking about this, right? Where I think about the the Ark of the Covenant, Indiana Jones, right? Like just having mm-hmm. that information could could our brains handle it? And I'm not saying that that they couldn't, but right. imagine if you knew that there was, I don't know, a bunch of different extraterrestrial species, and at any point they want, they could just wipe us off the face of the planet. Right. Could I live with that existential dread? You know, like, w- w- would right. I be able to function on a daily basis? I don't know. Like, I want to know, but then I'm thinking, like, maybe I don't want to know. <laughs> like, right. It's a really fascinating question because knowing and having sort of like the secrets of the universe, like, is that enough for, for our human minds to be able to to handle? Maybe we can't comprehend it. <laughs> you bring up a fascinating point, Drew. And that's that you and I and the rest of the human race assume right. that we're capable of understanding everything about the universe. Given enough time, given enough research, you know, using science, we assume that everything could be understandable you know, with time. But what if that's just not the case? What if there's a point at which we can't solve it, we can't digest it, we can't comprehend it? It's beyond our biology somehow. Yeah. I, I know that that's maybe not popular and we shouldn't assume that necessarily, but um, right. it might, we might hit a wall at some point. Yeah. I mean, I think about just the evolution of, of human beings, right? Like there's Neanderthals and, and just animals, right? So animals all have, like they talk a lot about, I'll use you know, dolphins as an example, really good example, right? They have advanced communication within the dolphin community, right? Like within dolphins, <laughs> 
Right. But we can't understand what the heck they're talking about, but they clearly have and, and these are just beings on earth, right? This is this is within our own understanding and we still don't even understand how they communicate. We don't understand, you know, I know that there's a thing now with um orcas like basically ramming into ships. Why is that happening? Like we have to study it. We we can't understand and they're communicating with each other. And um I just I think a lot about that and and just things beyond our own comprehension on earth. Like think about just the trenches in the ocean and and what's down there and how much science has advanced. Like I think people say this and, and you you told me this before but I think the ocean, I mean the ocean is on our own planet and we've only explored, you know, a, a minuscule percentage of it. What else is yes. is in our own oceans that we don't even understand? And I'm not even saying extraterrestrials. I mean, I'm talking about like right. animals and creatures. Like if you showed somebody a giant squid in the Viking time, they would think it was an alien, you know? And right. uh, we we only recently have seen these things when you start thinking about the evolution of society and what we've been able to 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 understand. And our technology itself has been advancing, you know, in an exponential, you know, way. Think about we talked about the nuclear weapons and stuff. I mean that that was it was good and bad, right? It was it was, it was terrible in itself as well. But I mean that unlocked like laws of physics and nature that nobody knew were even possible. Uh, you go right. back to like Galileo's time, right? People thought right. the 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 universe or the the solar system revolved around the Earth. Not that long ago, when you think about it, in right. the grand scheme of years, <laughs> right? So what we could comprehend then, I mean, imagine if you took an iPhone back to like caveman times, like they would look at you like you were a god, and uh, <laughs> right. It's something like that. Now imagine a sphere inside of a, or a, a cube inside of a sphere. Maybe that's just like an iPhone from the year 10,000, <laughs> like, you know, but it's like, it's right. all relative, the technology. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a fascinating thing. So. <laughs> that's a wonderful point. And Terry says, yay, you mentioned me, Drew. <laughs> and yes, we may not be able to comprehend what's out there. And even those who have seen it don't comprehend it either. Right. I mean. I agree everyone's confused peter vonisak says this is wild <laughs> it is i agree peter it really really is it is um marianella says the ships that crashed in roswell yes okay so if you go watch the news nation interview and maybe i'll put that in the descriptions a link to it if it's out there i think it is david grush does talk about uh roswell and that that was a case of uh, a crashed uap that was recovered by the government that was um not even the first one. I guess supposedly one happened in in Italy back in the 30s, but mm -hmm. uh, the crash in Roswell was one that um, was legit. And the other thing Drew here is that you know some people have mentioned that, and you you obviously read science fiction and you're into all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, what David Grush is saying does seem like a greatest hits compilation of all science fiction speculation. It's like. Oh, everything we suspected <laughs> is true. And and like some people have like said, well, doesn't that kind of seem weird? Like that everything, point. you know, it's like, you know, from the crashed craft to the, you know, the the aliens and the government cover-ups and Roswell's true and everything's true. And um, is it is it too good to be true? It certainly could be, but 
I feel like maybe those things are in you know popular culture and and whatever for a reason because they happened or and maybe they didn't. I and I think that's it's important to ground right because I think you started this conversation by saying it right. Like we don't know what's going on. We're not saying it's aliens. Like we don't know. Right. It could be we don't know. military advancements. It could be. I mean, it could be adversary. It could be anything, right? We don't, we don't know. So I, I think aliens is probably the most fun thing to speculate on, and uh, because it, it, it's sort of like when you have no explanation, it's kind of easy to go go there. But something that right. that I, I'll, I'll say, and I'll 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 out myself on this, but and you know this about me because because we've talked about this before. But I loved watching the show Ancient Aliens. Like it's a guilty mm-hmm, pleasure right. of mine. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. And I look, I know that. The science is is not necessarily there on that, and and I know that they romanticize and sort of maybe exaggerate certain things. But something that I've always personally found fascinating, and you mentioned this, it's a greatest hits compilation. When you see imagery from like ancient civilizations, and when you see some of the similarities and things, or you think about like religions and things, and everything comes from the sky, and maybe as humans, it's it's hard not to look up at the stars and and sort of just feel in awe of that. But when you see certain imagery, like of of looks like almost like beings, right? And and again, mm-hmm. our imaginations can go that way, but it's something that always intrigued me. Like, how did these cultures all across the world that, you know, for what we know, didn't have the technology to see each other, at least they're aware of, uh, have the same types of thoughts on a lot of things and the same, I don't know, it, it, it's, uh, it's certainly possible that they, they could have come up with that stuff, but it just seems like a really interesting connection. And I, I think a lot about that when you, you mentioned the greatest hits, it's like, but these things have been happening for you know a very long time into very ancient human culture. It seems with some of those images right. and things. Right, and that, I mean that's a great idea. If if something's going on, you know, whether it's from this planet or not, yeah, uh, something strange might have been going on for a very long time, yeah. and that's something the Lieutenant Graves said is like they didn't even know about these objects until they upgraded their their sensors in 2015 then all of a sudden they saw all these things and they're like there's got to be something wrong with our equipment but then they're like nope that's been there you know and so yeah it's like we're just sensing these things for the first time um sorry i was gonna say one other thing another thing that always fascinates me about that as well is just look at the advancement of technology like we, you know, maybe the counterpoint to that is why couldn't they have had advanced technology back then? Like we, we weren't around, so we didn't know. And you think about the way that the world sort of changed over, like you look at the dark ages and, and medieval, right. like it's almost like things went backwards. So was right. there a point in the world and the earth where things were really that advanced and somehow some catastrophic things set them back or whatever? You know, I know we 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 have archaeologists that that look for things, and we can see literal proof within the soil of the earth and whatnot. But is there a possibility that some of that stuff almost reset, and we didn't really know about it, and now we're sort of advancing our own technology on a different path? And and maybe it, maybe it was humans all along. Maybe there's offshoots of that or something. Uh, it's just another fascinating thing to think about. I love that you brought that up, Drew. I love that you brought it up because. You know, I remember taking in college a history of science course, 
and you know it pretty much goes along where okay this is how long humans have been around you know our current version of humans for at least a couple hundred thousand years and then just about you know 5000 years ago we started to write things down and then after that oh we we started to get better at things and then science as we know it just popped up in the last few hundred years and i'm and just looking at that you look at that and you go wait a second so our species in its current form has been around for the last couple hundred thousand years and it's only in the past 5000 years that yeah. we figured out how to write things down and that could be true and i'm not saying that's what all the evidence seems to suggest and i will always go with the evidence however it does bring up this interesting idea that wait were there different societies in our ancient history that we have no clue about that uh, are long since buried that maybe suffered some kind of cataclysm um and i know that there's like some controversial ideas about this kind of stuff like graham hancock i'm mm -hmm. not necessarily suggesting that but sure. uh, i think what you're suggesting drew is just the idea that there could have been some kind of ancient society that ended for whatever reason or um or maybe split off and maybe is living in a different place now that we're not aware of. But like, um, it's, it's a fascinating idea to think about that. Yeah. What were we doing for those couple hundred thousand years, Drew? It, yeah. It's, it's very odd to me that we wouldn't have progressed further than that. Well, even think about like just something, I know Atlantis is more speculative because there's, there's no proof that it existed, but just look at like Roman society or, or ancient Greece like the ideas and the thoughts that they had at that time were, were, I mean, they had very civilized society for the most part, right? There was right. elections, there was, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I mean, it, look, they had gladiators and stuff too. But when you start thinking about that, it's like, then we went back to medieval time. Like, you know, it's it's just a weird thing to think about how advanced they were in thought and advanced they were in in, you know, military tactics and things like that. And you know, look, there wasn't, uh, you know, F-18s back then or anything like that. They weren't necessarily flying. But right. I I think about whether Atlantis is real or not, like the story of it. And you mentioned earlier, like humans love stories. It's a great story, right. isn't it? But is right. it that far-fetched to think that people had advanced technology? They figured some of these right. things out? I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what, what is real and what isn't, but it's fun to, it's fun to think about sometimes. Well, you look at the Romans and you look at what they accomplished and it is stunning. That was 2000 years ago and they were just engineering masters. It's like they had plumbing. They had yeah. like all of these things. And it seems like maybe the one thing that escaped them was the discovery of electricity. Yeah. And and that and you know they were engineers but maybe they didn't delve into the sciences you know, and the philosophy as much as say the Greeks did. And so maybe if they, you know, if they were just like nuts and bolts kind of society, if they maybe looked into the science more and maybe made some more discoveries, we could have been there a long time ago. Okay. They just happened to not do that. But you wonder, did a society back in Atlantean times or something like that, did they figure it out? Uh, did they yeah. discover electricity? Cause it's around us. Uh, ben Franklin did a lot of uh, work with it, but <laughs> I mean, we've got we've had lightning as long as Earth's been around. Um, yeah, did, did, was there a society that discovered electricity and allowed them to do things with it? I I think it's so fascinating to think about that, and I forgot the the 
device that we were talking about, but I, I mentioned, and I think you mentioned it was something in maybe the new Indiana Jones movie, but that uh, there was that weird device that they found that, that was off the coast of, I think one of the Greek islands or yes. something. I forgot the name you, you told me the other day, but. Is it the Antikythera or something, yeah. something like that? Yeah. yeah. And like something like that was really fascinating because it's like, how did they have those precise measurements? And, and I know, again, I, I don't mean to say ancient aliens is like the greatest scientific uh, source there, but right. when they do some of the things that they, they brought up that, that fascinated me was like, oh, how could they do, you know, measurements of this precision? Uh, how could they do that? What's to say that they couldn't without extraterrestrial help? Like, I'm not saying that aliens had to do it. But the engineering right. at those times was was very advanced, uh, right. and, and you know it certainly humans could have done that stuff. And and I think there's I saw on one of the podcasts more recently they had they had talked about the pyramids and stuff had been there well before the Egyptians that we even knew as as we think about them in history. What if that was there even before them and it from a more right. advanced uh, civilization or something like who knows? Uh, it's it's very interesting. Very interesting to think about. Yeah. And there's so much history that's probably just buried right now. And, you know, it'd be impossible for us to go, like, basically dig up yeah. the entire planet, you know, to try and find all this stuff. Imagine how much history is out there and we have yet to discover it and it's completely buried. And I, I bet there are some very shocking things that um, we haven't seen yet. Of course, we're not suggesting any of this is like right. fact. We believe in evidence and we're not saying that it happened, but we're saying that it's good to proceed with an open mind. Like what are the possibilities? Yeah, I think that's the best yeah. way to put it. Cause, cause I don't wanna say to anybody, oh, I know for a fact, you know, the ancient Sumerians were contacted by, like who knows? Right. Like, What's right. to say they 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 just didn't know how to do this stuff and and you know we as humans give a, give ourselves more credit than <laughs> we don't we don't need some some alien species to teach us stuff and maybe maybe there are people that just know how to do this stuff I don't know it's fascinating to think about though yeah it is uh, we have a comment from Valiant Thor I like your avatar. Um, Based on our current congressional hearings, the only thing left is for the ETs to reveal themselves. <laughs> then every single piece of toilet paper on the planet will be gone. <laughs> <laughs> right, because we've learned that that's what people run for when they're in most in yeah. their, when they're in fear. Right, they they go for the toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't miss that time. I'll say that. <laughs> no. Well, I will. I will say that there is this uh, researcher named Robin Hansen, and he was on the Lex Friedman show. It's fascinating if you listen to it, and he makes this fascinating hypothesis as to why, if they are aliens, they won't reveal themselves directly to us. And he has this entire hypothesis uh, circulating around this concept of grabby aliens, and it is fascinating and it is so well thought of it starts with like this idea of something called a pan panspermia hypothesis the idea that it is possible that you know we talked about all the different types of creatures and life that could be in the universe well uh, our sun is you know our local stars form in a nursery together right like in a, a kind of a solar nursery you know where uh, all these different stars kind of form in the same group so they would expect to be made of the same materials and um, you could have basically interaction and materials from these different things. Basically, the idea is that life could be seeded 
on multiple planets and multiple solar systems from stars that formed in the same region. So, um, so that's a hypothesis is that the stars around us and closest to us may be related to us and there could have been cross seeding. And that's, that's why life may have evolved in very similar ways. That's really um, interesting. I, if you could send yeah. that, I would love to, I would love to watch that. I I'll put that a link to that podcast in the description. I will send it to you as well, Drew. That's but awesome. like, he was basically, and it, he's coming from a, from a researcher of like a uh, risk assessment perspective. So he's like an analyst and he comes up with like these different things. And he basically says that actually there's a fairly decent chance that there are alien civilizations. And he like, and he cal- calculates it out. And he basically talks about multiple types of, of civilizations that you have grabby aliens that are very invasive. And what they would do is they would go out and harm other societies and you have like non-grabby aliens sorry robin hansen if you're watching if i'm completely butchering your hypothesis (laughs) but the idea is that you can have very invasive expansionist societies um and then you have those that aren't and the thing is the expansionist societies pose pose the most threat to all the other societies in the galaxy because they would want conquest probably like us we would like to go and get fun things and nice minerals and expensive things. Um, but these aliens that we see are non-grabby and the galaxy needs to keep it that way because expansionist societies are bad. So essentially what's going on is they're here and they're constantly staying at the edge of our perception and they want us to know that they're there that they're superior to us as basically um, kind of like an idea of like, who's the top dog, like um, like how dogs relate to each other. Marking and your territory. <laughs> marking your territory and keeping, um, keeping everyone in line so that there's a clear understanding of who's in charge so you don't try anything. And so that that's basically what's, what's happening now. And that will also be why these things will always be somewhat imperceptible because they're trying they're trying to communicate with us hey we're the top dog don't try anything don't mess with us um and the other thing is that yes if they decide that we are grabby and we're not going to abide then um i guess statistically he said that they, they would have to completely destroy us uh, <laughs> but it, it, it's fascinating, you know. And, but it's a pay, it's a published paper, and and it's like I will I'll I'll put that in the description and listen to it because it's fascinating to listen to. Man, did did you? And I don't know if you. I know it got a lot of flack, but um, the the movie Prometheus, like the concept mm-hmm. of that, is really really was really fascinating to me, and like I know it didn't get good reviews and stuff like that. So from a critique standpoint, like it wasn't what people wanted, but I find that concept very interesting. Like the fact that maybe life was seeded by, you know, either another species or whatever. And, you know, okay. Like it, it, it's just a very, it's a very interesting concept. And I think what you said there, I, I I can't wait to watch that because it's so, it makes a lot of sense. Like if that's the way that it would work, because it right. seems like something we would do, right? Like we set up military bases on people's borders and things. It's like, don't right. cross this line here. You know, we're not going to bug you, but just don't cross this line. You put your presence. Animals do it. Like you said, dogs. Uh, 
it's a very, I mean, again, maybe it's a human way of looking at it to try to make sense of it, but I, I really like, and I, that's so cool. I, I can't wait to watch that. I, I like Lex Frieden's show too. I think he has some great guests and uh, of all over the place and it's really cool, but I, I, I would love to check that out. It sounds super fascinating. Absolutely, guys. I will put that in the description. If you're into this stuff, it's it's a, it's a heady listen, but it but it's great. I'm going to um, play one more video, Drew, before we close this out, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, this is from the hearing, and I think it kind of puts it in perspective from maybe a threat to us and our society. Uh, we'll, we'll see what you think. For each of you, yes or no question. Based off of your own experience or the data that you've been privy to, is there any indication that these UAPs could be uh, essentially uh, collecting reconnaissance information? Mr. Graves? Yes. Mr. Grush? Fair assessment. Yeah. Mr. Fravor? Very possible. Again, in the national security vein, uh, is it possible that these UAPs would be probing our capabilities? Yes or no, Mr. Graves? Yes. Grush? Yes. Fravor? Definitely. Is it possible that these UAPs are testing for vulnerabilities in our current systems? Yes. Yes. Possible. Do you feel, based off of your experience and the information that you've been privy to, that these UAPs provide an existential threat to the national security of the United States? Mr. Graves? Potentially. Yes, sir, potentially. Uh, same answer, potentially. Yeah, I'd say Fravor. definitely, potentially. Mr. Graves and Fravor, you know, in the event that your encounters had become hostile, would you have would have, would you have had the capability to defend yourself, your crew, your aircraft? Absolutely not, sir. No. Is based off of the information that you've been privy to, is there any indication that these UAPs are interested in our nuclear technology and capabilities? Yes. By external observation, sure, that could be a fair assessment, yeah. Yes. Okay, so I thought that was one of the most powerful moments of the hearing um, because of their positions. I mean, and it kind of puts what we were talking about in stark view, I think, mm -hmm. is that there are things out there that are around us. By everything that I would use to just judge a situation and take people's credibility into account without having seen it myself. It seems like something's there, something's going on. It's trying to collect information. Looks like definitely about our nuclear capabilities. Um, it, it's kind of stunning. Like, I don't know, should we be freaked out about this? <laughs> it comes back to like what I was thinking about earlier when we were talking about what would you do if you knew what was happening? Would it, would it right. make you so full of dread that you just wouldn't know what to do like maybe 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 i would have some type of psychological breakdown if i if i because i it you know it's hard to comprehend and but i don't understand human or non-human whatever it is right like we said it before something was something was happening i mean there's video evidence of it whatever it is who knows but it makes a lot of sense to say that it was some type of surveillance or some type of understanding what our capabilities are or maybe it's like you said just sort of showing themselves like hey we're here we're here right. whoever we are um but i think the fact that they all kind of said without any hesitation like yes yes possible like there was no hesitation in their voice like the, and those questions you know the, the the congressperson that was asking 
think were good questions and they ask these things on purpose uh it makes it makes you think like hey we should probably try to get a little bit more information here or pay attention to this and maybe right. the powers that be already know all the answers and they're just not going to tell anybody you know right. uh, but i i think it it certainly does put it into perspective to your point and uh it makes you kind of feel like holy holy crap <laughs> maybe something's going on here right you know if if there's something that could pose a threat an existential threat to our country um and it's something that beyond what we understand is something that we would want the absolute smartest scientists in the world working on. I don't know why they would keep it so classified. Right. Be, it, 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 that's the one thing that, that really, I don't know. My question is, it's like, I understand if this is a military threat, if it's something that we kind of have our hands around, maybe we have secret projects that kind of understand what's going on. That's one thing, but if it's truly something beyond our understanding and could pose a threat to us, you would think that they would want to enlist all of the top scientists in the world to try and figure this out. Yeah, I, I think about that a lot too because I think about books and movies and TV shows and stuff where let's say there's some, <laughs> obviously in science fiction, there's some full-scale invasion or the world's type of thing, right. right? Does humanity come together? and say, hey, let's let's tackle this together. Or I think humans, fortunately or unfortunately, right, as beings are always looking for the top angle over one another. It's just how society has worked for hundreds of years. Right. And uh, or thousands of years, really. And you think about it, I mean, maybe they would try to get an edge on each other. And maybe there's this competitive thing behind the scenes of like, they don't want to acknowledge it because like you said earlier, they're trying to be the first to reverse engineer it and get the end edge on, on someone else. Or maybe there is some sort of men in black scenario where there's this international understanding of, hey, you know, we got to figure this thing out uh, and get the bat phone. So I, I, right. uh, I tend to think about that a lot. Like, would human, humanity come together? I don't know. <laughs> I don't <Right>. know. <laughs> Gosh, Drew, I, I, I think uh, we've just stepped very gently into this world tonight, <laughs> and we, we've had, I think, an amazing conversation. I've really enjoyed this, and um, I really appreciate your insights on all this because it, it helps ground my perspective. And I want to thank everyone in the comments. I want to see uh, Don Don. Thanks for uh, showing up, Don Don. It's great <laughs> to see you. And uh, Marianella, I have not seen the movie Paul. Have you seen the movie Paul? I know, I know the movie, but I haven't watched it. I uh, I know exactly what you're talking about, Marianella. If if it's worth watching, tell me because I I haven't seen it, but it's always been one that I, I thought about adding to the list. Right, absolutely. And everyone, thank you for watching. If you're watching live, thanks for participating in the live chat. If you're watching on the replay or listening to the podcast, thank you for joining us. Uh, leave a comment or a review. Uh, let us know what you think. If you have any thoughts or even experiences, uh, go ahead and let us know. If you enjoy this conversation and would like more of it, uh, because there's quite a lot to talk about, let us know as well. Uh, we're trying out all different types of topics now that the uh, strikes are still happening. And so we're trying to act in solidarity with those strikes. So that's why we're not talking about some of our favorite shows and movies uh, like we love doing. But Drew, this has been an honor. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, same. Thank you for having me. And thanks to all the great comments. This is a world that I admittedly don't know a ton about, but I, I am 
fascinated by it. And uh, it, it's really cool to be able to dip our toes in the water, like you said. I think that's a perfect yeah. way to put it. There's there's a whole ocean of this to, to get into if people like it. <laughs> yes, definitely. Oh my gosh, Drew. I've, I've even got more ideas now. But um, Drew, I want to wish you a very happy after dark and night <laughs> tonight. Uh, and everyone else Thank too, you. I wish you very, very happy evening. And we look forward to seeing you again soon on KenCast. We'll see you guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining us tonight. And we look forward to seeing you next time on KenCast. <laughs>